0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Welcome, 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 welcome to another edition of the official Redbird Rants podcast. My name is Tito Rivera. I'm your host tonight, and I'm joined by two of our great contributors, Josh McDonald and Trevor Hood. Boys, how are we doing tonight? Doing well. Mm -mm, Meh. (laughs) Meh. Yeah, I figured, Josh, you'd probably kind of uh, be meh right now. And if you haven't seen it on RedbirdRants.com, Josh has put up our first reaction piece to today's trade deadline. It's going to be a very good show. We've got trade reaction across the league, and then obviously St. Louis Cardinals reaction It's going to be a great show, and let's not waste any more time. Let's get right into it, and let's talk about the initial reaction from today. It was supposed to be an eventful day for the St. Louis Cardinals, and it just kind of fell flat, and by flat, I mean really, really flat. So, Josh, what's your initial reaction?
2: Well, I know you're saying initial reaction to keep my opinion short um, because you know that I have a lot of feelings about this, but I'm I'm as close to livid as I can be with this front office right now. There were way too many question marks for this team that were not answered, and they, who knows how hard they really tried. I mean, we can all sit here and say, you know, they probably did their best. They may have just sat on their hands. It's hard to say at this point, but I'm very disappointed. They could have at least helped this team for next year, but they did nothing of the sort.
1: Josh, I'd never curb your opinion. That's not my style.
0: Um, okay, no. <laughs> I know better.
2: I know better than to think that you you've got my back in this. All right,
1: all right, Trevor. <laughs> what do you what do what are you thinking? What's your initial reaction to today?
0: Well, I'll keep it short because we'll touch on a lot of it later, but uh, I'm actually in the small section of Cardinal fandom that thinks this trade deadline might have actually gone well, Uh, and I'm actually very okay with the uh, no moves.
1: That's fair, and I'll give you guys my initial reaction, and that is not surprised. And I will get into that a little bit later, but not surprised at all so that being said let's go ahead and cover the major deals that went around the league today and we'll start with Sonny Gray going from the athletics to the to the Yankees and this was the first domino to fall in the starting pitching carousel today and it was a pretty interesting trade I think the Yankees actually came out on top
0: Trevor what do you think Well, this is actually interesting coming from my side because, uh, you know, the the Milwaukee Brewers were very into it uh, with Sonny Gray, and and it's uh, kind of shaken that community because they wanted him. But uh, their asking price for the Brewers was Lewis Brinson, who's their top prospect. So I think the Yankees actually got off really, really well here. Um, They ended up giving away uh, a couple of the top outfields. Jorge Mateo uh, was one of them, and – uh, Dustin Fowler, who actually the tweet originally came out as Dexter Fowler, and then uh, <laughs> another pitcher. Uh, so I think the uh, the A's did very uh, well there because they got a, a little bit of a future, but Sonny Gray's going to help the Yankees a lot. The Yankees made a lot of good pitching moves, and Sonny Gray is just kind of the top of them. Um, so as far as the deal goes, I think it benefited both sides, and I think that the Yankees got a uh, almost a discounted offer.
1: Right, and they didn't have to give up Glaver torres which, if you can recall, was what the athletics were saying, hey, it's either him or Clint Frazier, right? So, for them not to give up either of those two, I, I'm telling you, I think this is definitely a win. Josh, what do you think?
2: It's hard to say this isn't a win. You, everything we saw about Sonny Gray was if the athletics don't get, get what they want, they're going to hold on to him. But then the trade came out and everyone just said, what? Like they, they got nowhere near their asking price. So they clearly weren't, they clearly weren't going to hold on to Sunny Gray. They settled. And I really thought that Sonny Gray being moved was going to open the floodgates for trades. It, this was kind of a disappointing uh, trade deadline up until like the very end. I really expected a lot more to happen once Gray got moved, but Nothing really happened exciting until the very last second. Right. And speaking of the very end, let's move on to the
1: the next domino that ended up falling, and that was you, Darvish, going from the Rangers to the Dodgers. And over the last couple of days, the steam kind of picked up on this trade, and it finally went through at the last second. My initial reaction is that the Rangers did a pretty good job of getting some pieces but they didn't get the granddaddy of them all in Alex Verdugo, and so I, I kind of want to say that this is yeah, it's a Rangers win, but the Dodgers also come off really well with uh, a a practically a number one starter,
0: Trevor. Well, yeah, we all know what you Darvish is going to do for the Dodgers, and we especially with uh, Clayton Kershaw and and a lot of his injuries. That's when a lot of the Dodgers starting pitching talk uh, came about. So you know what Udavis is going to do there. It's the Rangers. I, I got to disagree. They were never going to get Alex Verdugo. The Dodgers love him way too much, uh, and they're really happy with their prospects. But the one that they got, the the main piece that they got, the number four from the Dodgers system, Willie Calhoun, that's a huge win for them. You talk about what he's done this year. Um, his slash line is ridiculous. He's, he's hitting over 300, and he's got about uh, 23 home runs in AAA this year. So he's got an MLB-ready bat. And he's actually going from uh, NL to AL, which will help him because he's had trouble finding a defensive home. He doesn't feel the ball that well. Uh, They've been sticking him at second base and a little bit of the outfield, but with his ability to hit the ball, that's going to show through a lot. Um, You should see him creating fireworks in Texas here soon, I would think. So I think the Rangers got off really well just with that. And, of course, they got a couple other prospects who could turn into something. Um, But as far as my initial reaction to that is, I think the Rangers might come out on top there just because of, of Willie Calhoun's offensive potential.
1: Right. And and I'm glad you mentioned Willie Calhoun because he is, like you said, the number four prospect uh, from the Los Angeles Dodgers going over to Texas. Now, Josh, this is a move that really speaks for the Los Angeles Dodgers and, and making their push for a world series title this year. Given what the Cubs did for Jose Quintana, is this the only move that the uh, Dodgers could have made to really hold off the Cubs?
2: The Dodgers were already the best team in baseball, in my opinion, and they just added another, essentially an ace. So I don't know that they they needed to be that worried about what the Cubs were doing I think what the only other thing they could have done was outside of adding Tony Cingrani and Tony Watson, as they did to the bullpen, they could have added a bigger name uh, and made it a little bit more of a splash there. But those are some solid bullpen pieces you can add. Those guys aren't going to be locked down inning guys that you want in the seventh or eighth inning, but they're solid. And Hugh Darvish is phenomenal. He – is going to be really exciting for those fans to watch. And I think that we're going to be seeing a Los Angeles Dodgers World Series run coming up real soon.
1: Yeah, and that, and that's a good point. Uh, the bullpen pieces that the Dodgers actually got in later on in, uh, you said, Tony Singrani and Tony Watson, both coming from Central Division teams, um, really solidifies that team even further than just getting you, Darvish, and obviously, Yu Darvish is the big piece there. Now, on to the last little bit of trades that came through pretty much at the last second today. Joe Smith, who is a reliever from the Blue Jays, goes to the Cleveland Indians. And earlier today, I was speaking with Derek Gould, and I asked him if there was any substance in Osu- you know the trade talks with the Cardinals and the Blue Jays with Osuna. Outside of just Josh Donaldson and Derek Gould, actually brought up Joe Smith's name. And I was interested because I haven't really heard of him. And so I looked at his numbers and he's having a pretty decent year. So, what do you guys make of the fact that the Indians
2: went out and got
1: a kind of a, you know, a mid average guy in Joe Smith,
2: Josh? I thought that it was surprising that they added a bullpen piece instead of an outfield piece because I think that was a bigger need for them. But when it comes down to the playoffs, there's not never too many bullpen pieces, especially guys that are striking out more than one per inning. This guy's got a 12.9 strikeout per nine right now. That's incredible to add to your bullpen for a stretch run. And we all know that the Indians have the pieces, to make that run to the World Series like they did last year, Joe Smith's just a nice another addition to a very solid bullpen.
1: Right. So, Trevor, you see a guy like Joe Smith go over there. Is that somebody that the Cardinals should have been interested in? I mean, if their goal is saying, yeah, you know, why not try and add him, should the Cardinals have maybe go out and got him?
0: Absolutely. I mean, if, if you're going to do anything to show that you're willing to uh, make a postseason run, especially with the way the, the season's been panning out, the bullpen's a huge, uh, a huge place to start. I mean, bullpens are, are, are massive come playoff time and, and adding a solid arm like that, and he's at what 12.9 strikeouts per nine, that would help a long way. Um, based on the way it looks like they were going, I don't think it would have been necessarily a smart move for the Cardinals to make. Um, but if you know, like I said, if they were going to go out and do something, a bullpen piece would have been great, and an arm like Joe Smith would have also been great.
1: Right, and and that's where that's where I'm you know, I'm indifferent maybe
0: because
1: the Cardinals have always added a reliever at the trade deadline. It seems like for the last I don't know three four seasons that the Cardinals have gone out and got somebody. You can think of Edward Mujica. You can think of Edwin Jackson at some point. You can uh, think of Zach Duke last year, for instance. And you know, for them not to really kick the tires on any kind of reliever, I'm not saying that it was kind of relieving, uh, no pun intended. But it was also kind of like, hey, are we really not going to do anything? And and obviously, as we found out uh, by 3 p.m., you know, today they weren't going to do anything. And so I, I do want to move on to the winners from, you know, today for the trade deadline. And, and let's also expand that throughout the entire, you know, up till today. So who, are the, who was the winners of the trades? So I'll go ahead and start with this. And I'll say that the Yankees are probably the team that came out the best out of the trade deadline, They solidified their bullpen. They got Todd Frazier as well to help out at third base, and he can even slot over at first base if given an opportunity. And they go out and get Sonny Gray to bolster that rotation, which was a huge, huge need for the team. And it really puts them in the driver's seat, in my opinion, in the AL East. It doesn't make them the favorite for the American League, but – they've got a good shot to get out of the AL East and and potentially challenge the Astros for the best record. So, Josh, I'll kick it over to you.
2: Who's your trade deadline winner? I'm going to take one from the AL and one from the NL, but my AL one is piggybacking on yours. The Yankees killed it for the AL. They added Todd Frazier, David Robertson, Tommy Conley, Jaime Garcia, and Sonny Gray and gave up one top 50 prospect. That's incredible. That's a haul for that many guys. And then look over to the NL, and I'm going to go with the Dodgers because Hugh Darvish is, in my opinion, a better pitcher than Jose Quintana, and they already had a better team of a better pitching staff than the Cubs. So I think that the Dodgers and the Yankees are leading the way right now for winners at the deadline.
1: That's a great point about Jaime Garcia, even though I
2: I don't think highly of him.
1: Um that's a good point though because that also, you know, gives them a, a back end of the rotation guy that can be as good as a two, even a three, you know.
0: So that's you know, that's just where that sits. So Trevor,
1: I know you didn't pick the Cardinals, so who's your winner?
0: Well, uh I'm also gonna give one from AL, one from NO, Uh and they're different from either one that you guys have said already. The AL winner, I actually have the Astros. Um they added another solid starter in Francisco Liriano. Uh, and a well, solid uh, stretch word this season, but they, you know he's um, he, he's an established starter, which will help them because they're they're fairly young, um, so his experience will help them. And, and they ended up giving up Nori Aoki and Teoscar Hernandez. Um, Hernandez is is has a little bit more of a future, but um, as I mentioned, they're young, so they're able to trade away some of their younger guys to get something that they need, which I thought they really needed a starter. And I think that one move uh, really. Helps them out, especially with everything the Yankees did. Um, and my NL winner, its you're not going to like it, but I think it's the Cubs. Um, they added a, another solid bullpen piece with uh, Justin Wilson, a great backup catcher with Alex Avila, and, of course, Jose Quintana. And they ended up uh, uh, drying up their farm system, but it's the same situation in Houston. They're a really young team to start with. So their farm system is not has time to build back up, So I think with everything they added, they've really become a power in the the National League. And and I have to say that they did really well at the trade deadline. DOF teams did a a good job seeing the fact that he could give up these prospects to get uh, major league pieces that are going to help them down the stretch.
1: And I think it's interesting that you mentioned the Astros here, because I think Francisco Liriano and I think Josh kind of, Kind of pointed it out to us in our in our uh, Redbird, Redbird Rants group on Twitter that Liriano is mostly going to be out of the bullpen, right, Josh?
2: That's what was being reported this afternoon. I uh, if since they didn't add another starter and Lance McCullers just landed on the DL, that could be changing. Right. But I think Brad Peacock was coming up to fill the role of McCullers. Right.
1: So and, and yes, it is definitely a stretch when you say solid you know, starting pitcher because he's had his fair share of of woes and injuries, but Liriano isn't necessarily a terrible move for the Astros. So I I agree with you to some extent, but I still think the Yankees did more uh, to bridge the gap between the Astros and the rest of the American League. And, you know, as far as the Cubs, you know, they, you're right. They gave up a lot of their farm system, pretty much all of it in order to sustain a run for probably the next two to three years, maybe even more. And I think there was a graphic out yesterday that showed, you know, most of the Cubs are in under contract through 2022 or something like that. You know, that's, that's really good uh, considering, you know, what kind of team they already have. So I, I understand where you're coming from on that side. And if I had to pick an NL, you know, team, I would probably have said the Cubs too, because, they bridged the gap between themselves and the Dodgers. Um, yes, the Dodgers went out and got you, Darvish, but you know that's, that's you know that's you Darvish, as Josh said. He's a, easily a number one starter. So guys, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to put everybody else aside, and we're just going to hone in on our team, the St. Louis Cardinals. And the first topic up for debate is going to be whether this is a total failure. Or was it just as expected? So if you're listening, thank you so much. Stick around. We'll be right back. Okay, welcome back, and this is the official Redbird Rants podcast, episode 19. I'm Peter Rivera, your host, and I'm joined by Josh McDonald and Trevor Hoot. Guys, before the break, we talked about what the trades were across the MLB. We picked our winners but now it's time to get into our team, the St. Louis Cardinals. And, guys, this is going to be really tough because there's going to be some high emotion. As we've seen throughout social media today, it's been pretty tough for Cardinal fans to sit back and watch our team not really do too much. So I'm just going to kick it off, and, Josh, I'll start with you, and I know you're going to love that. But is this a total failure by the front office or is it just as expected?
2: You guys might want to sit down and just relax for a little bit because I got some opinions. First off, I'm glad to hear that uh, there's some disagreement going to be coming my way from this because I don't want us all to agree on this. I'd like to have a debate, but this is a failure. This is an absolute and total failure. Failure. This team basically just told their fans that they are perfectly fine being mired in mediocrity because they did not try to improve, not for this year or for next year. There's nothing worse in professional sports than being a middle-of-the-road team. If you're a middle-of-the-road team, you're not winning anything. And if you're not losing, you're not getting top draft picks to improve. How do you think the Cubs got to where they are right now? They kept losing. They kept getting top draft picks. The the Cardinals didn't sell, so they're clearly not trying to lose, but they didn't add anything. And there's so many questions with this team right now. The bullpen is a dumpster fire of all dumpster fires. When they come in, everyone knows that this game is questionable now. They could have added one of the tens of 20, 30 pieces that were out there for bullpen pieces, but they didn't. They didn't even try from what I can see. And if they're going to come out and say, well, we were second again, well, try harder. Stop it. I'm tired of hearing that we were the bridesmaid, not the bride, when it comes to these signings. We have money. We have prospects. Make a move. And then you have Steven Piscotti come off the DL today, and Harrison Bader gets sent back down. One of the exciting players that we have right now, who brings in a different facet that this team doesn't have, gets sent down because they couldn't make a move to release the log jam that is the outfield right now. We have, what, eight, nine guys who could be up with, with the major league team right now playing outfield, and we didn't even attempt to move one? It's ridiculous. And I'm going to hold off on a couple other things because I know that you've got this all planned out. Where We're going to talk about Lynn later, but this, this was an absolute blunder by the front office. I don't know if they were sitting on their hands or what, but I'm absolutely disappointed in what I saw today.
1: Hot takes, man. I... I'll save my judgment for a little later, but I'm going to toss it to Trevor. Trevor, same question to you. Is this a total failure, or is this just as you expected
0: it? I don't think it's a failure at all. Uh, I almost did expect it to. The thing is, the Cardinals' farm system right now is is really good. We have a lot of great prospects, and it it would have been tough to see some of them go for – for a lot of these guys who are really just rentals um there were a few guys out there who would have some some longevity but i just i disagree that they they didn't make any moves to improve themselves or anything like that because you got to remember there's still the off season before next season starts and they were really interested and they were really keyed in on the marlins outfielders and dick marlins came out and said that they're not going to move anyone any of their outfielders until the off season so I think a lot of that went into the no moves and I think that they really want one of those those bats. There is a logjam already in the outfield but uh, I think you'll see some of that move uh, over the winter and I think the winter is when they're going to make some moves. Um, but the other aspect of this that a lot of people are forgetting the Cardinals made a trade. They got rid of Marco Gonzalez and they got Tyler O'Neill, who has the power grade out of, of Aaron Judge if I'm not mistaken. Not that he'll turn into Aaron Judge. I mean Aaron Judge is seven. Tyler O'Neill's is like what 6 foot I think but The thing is, he could become a huge asset already for the future, and I I think that's really important. So, based on keeping the prospects and what can still happen in the winter, um, I I wouldn't call this a failure at all, because you look at uh, what the Cubs just did, it's going to be hard to try to take a division from them. You look at where the Brewers are, they made a couple of good moves, it's going to be hard to to, uh, try to overtake them too. So, sitting where you are right now, holding on to your prospects, letting them progress, seeing what you like, what you don't like, and and being able to uh, know more and have more information come wintertime, that opens up a lot more doors. And I think that is the plan behind all of this.
1: Excellent point. We can't forget about the Marco Gonzalez trade, although it's not something that stands out because it doesn't help the team immediately. It, It does go to show that the Cardinals are still trying to do something on the back end and, maybe that comes into play, as you're saying, Trevor, in the winter. And and here's my take. I'm actually going to go on the side of just as expected, and I'll tell you why. In the recent days, in the last week or so, I've been putting out articles kind of recapping some of the commentary that Derek Gould, Jennifer Langosh have been saying, and they both obviously follow the Cardinals. They have been saying that, the Cardinals were more than likely not going to get a big bat this winter. Even Bob Nightingale, who is a cub lover for all we know, even said the exact same thing that the Cardinals were not going to go get a big bat. So it's really, really hard for me to say that, yeah, I expected any or I, I expected different when the sign is right there. It's, it's as clear as day to me that the Cardinals are probably not going to do anything. We heard about Josh Donaldson, you know, a long time ago, it feels like. Nothing ever happened. As Trevor mentioned, Marlins didn't want to give up anybody. They even said it. They're like, nope, thanks. We Never heard anything else after that. There was nothing that was going to make – there was nothing possible today that was going to convince me of otherwise. And it would have taken something miraculous to see the Cardinals go get somebody that would make a difference of epic proportions to upset the balance that is the NL Central right now. And that's why I don't think this is – it is a failure, but it is as expected. I expected us to fail essentially if that even makes sense. So it, it, it's really tough, and I'm sure a lot of Cardinal fans are feeling the same way as Josh, are, Josh is right now. And I'm sure a lot of people feel the way Trevor and I do, is that they didn't expect anything to happen. And I know, if, you know, you go on our Facebook page, guys, you can see the comments. People are upset. They're really, really frustrated with this team, and they've got questions. And we'll try and answer some of those questions today or tonight, but people are really frustrated. So let's, let's move on from whether it's a failure or if it's just as expected. And let's, let's go into the individuals that were mentioned in trade talks over the last couple of days. We had Tommy Pham. We had Randall Gritchick and Lance Lynn, really the main pieces of who was getting moved. A couple days ago, Tommy Pham and Randall Gritchick were in, you know, the trade rumors with the Cleveland Indians. They were looking for an outfielder, as Josh mentioned earlier. You know, Lance Lynn has been in the rumors since pretty much the season began because they knew he was going to be a free agent at the end of the year, or so we think. So let's start with you, Josh. Where do you fall on Tommy Pham and Randall Gritchick not being
2: moved? I couldn't believe it that we didn't move one of them, honestly. With how many outfielders we had, we discussed it countless times. There's so many options right now. I could not believe it that we did not move one of them. There there was only two position players moved today. Uh, Adam Rosales and I can't think of who the other one is off the top of my head right now. Avila? uh, Yeah, there we go. So what was going on that... You can't tell me that every single team that's in a playoff hunt right now is happy with their lineup. That's not that's not possible. There's no way. So were the asking prices on these hitters too high because of the market that it was laid before everyone? Because the Donaldsons, the Ozuna, Yelich, Stanton, none of them were really on the market, did they? Did the teams like the Cardinals say, "We have a commodity. We're not going to give up give one of these guys away unless we get exactly what we want. Like the athletics were supposedly saying about Sonny Gray. I think that this team could have gotten a pretty nice return for, for fam or Grichuk, and then opened the door for Bader or Sierra to have a position on this team the rest of the year. I don't think that what they did or didn't do today set this team up very well going forward because If they moved one of the two, and everyone knows that I'm an unabashed Gritchick lover, but he could have gotten a decent return just based on the potential others seeing him and getting him away from John Mabry. And then you look at Tommy Pham, who is 29 and will be 30 years old on opening day next year, having a career season. Got to think that we could have gotten something for him just Based on the stats he's putting up this year, that would have been a sell high for me because I, as much as I like Tommy Pham and I think he has been a catalyst for this team this year, I would really like to see Harrison Bader or Magnara Sierra and their speed have a chance to be with this team for the rest of the season. I know that people are going to say, well, Tommy Pham's fast. Tommy Pham's quick. Harrison Bader and Magnus Sierra are fast, and that is a part of this team that we do not have. So I am really, I was really disappointed that we didn't move one of those two to clear up the logjam a little bit. Yeah, and and it's a
1: good point that you mentioned that, uh, you know, Tommy Pham is, is going to be 30 years old next season. I actually, you know, wrote a piece about the interest between the Cleveland Indians and the two outfielders that we're talking about right now. And one of the commenters on that post, you know, he kind of questioned why I, you know, I was saying, well, Tommy Pham is going to be 29. Yeah, he is go- no, he's going to be 30. Uh, yeah, he is going to be 30 next year, and you have players like Magnair, Sierra, and Harrison Bader. You want to block them for Tommy Pham? No, thank you. I'm sorry. That doesn't make any sense to me at all because Tommy Pham is having a career year at 29. He's probably, you know, going to play for, you know, a couple more years, obviously. He's probably going to play until his, you know, mid-30s. But are we really expecting Tommy Pham to have a year like this every single year after this when we could be playing Magnier Sierra or Harrison Bader? No way. That, that's crazy talk. And, and I get it. Tommy Pham has easily been the best player of, on the Cardinals this year, and he's done a phenomenal job in the outfield. He's made defensive plays. He's hit the ball. He's, you know, stolen bases. He's hitting for average. He's doing it all. He's been the team's MVP, really. But, again, I fall back on him being a 29-year-old going on 30, having a career year late in his playing days. You know, it just doesn't make sense. And that's why I personally think the Cardinals should have shopped Fam over Gritchick, as much as that pains me, but Tommy Fam should have been the one going to Cleveland today because if you look at the Cleveland Indians outfield, and Trevor, I want to get your opinion on this, if you look at that outfield, they need help. They need help in center field or in right field. So, Trevor, what do you, got? What do you make of this entire ordeal with Fam and Gritchick still on the team?
0: I would have liked to see one of them be moved. Um, I'm probably the biggest Magnera Sierra fan that there is in Cardinal Nation. I think that um, it would be great to see him get a, a shot, or I guess Bader Two could have gotten a shot, but one of them gets a shot to uh, to get regular playing time for the rest of the year. Um, I think Fam would have been the, the move to make because you would have gotten the most back from him because of the season he's having. Um, I don't know. I mean, personally, I think the all the... All the deal with uh, Gritchick being sent, you know, down earlier this year and and coming back and all that stuff. I don't I don't know how much value that took away from him necessarily. So uh, I think if a move was going to be made, it should have been Fan because uh, as you're saying, he's going to be 30. Uh, it would have been great to see the young guys get in, but I think the other part of this that that is not being looked at, the uh, Indians have a couple young outfielders that they really like in Tyler Naquin and Bradley Zimmer. So that could also be part of it is that they didn't want to pay a huge price for somebody who's going to be 30 when they have guys who are, you know, you know, 23, 24 years old, who they think are going to be ready to compete soon if they're not already competing. So um, I think that's another aspect of this. that's not being looked at. I think it's important to bring up. Um, So I wouldn't say I'm surprised not to see a move if the Indians were the move, but I would have liked to see Tommy Pham moved.
1: Yeah, and you do bring up a really, really great point, and that's something I, you know, I didn't think of myself, and that is the fact that the Indians would be paying for, you know, a 29-year-old outfielder too. It's not like he's Randall Gritchick's age and, and going in. And, and you know, honestly, both Randall Gritchick and Tommy Pham have controllable years. So I think where the Cardinals and where Cardinal fans probably would come from is, is that Tommy Pham is cheap relative you know, in terms of salary. And so he's not adding a lot to the payroll. And so the Indians could theoretically at that point go out in the offseason and and probably make a free agent signing that would help their team out, you know, for seasons to come or whatever. So I think what I think is, is really telling of this and, and why this? I started with a total failure, or just as expected, is not seeing anybody move today. Pretty much told me that nothing is re- nothing was going to happen. Once I saw Tommy Pham not traded this morning, I was like, Nah, we're not doing anything. Especially Lance Lynn, and we'll get to him right now. And that is the Cardinal starting pitcher. Was supposed to be moved, and it all the signs pointed to him being moved, and I, I'm just honestly, I, I this is the biggest mind warp for me on on what the Cardinals are doing with this starting pitcher, and, and I'll start with you, Trevor, on this because I think you're going to have the right answer, not Josh. Was the price tag too
0: high for Lance Lynn? I think it would be. Um, but the thing with this is I never thought he was going to be moved from the start. The way I saw it the whole time is that he's been pitching the best for the Cardinals right now. Um, and they, they almost are more consistently the best because when Carlos Martinez is, is on, he's the best pitcher on the Cardinals. But Lance Lynn's been the most consistent pitcher this year and the Cardinals don't, they still want to try to compete. So it's going to be hard to move him without getting uh, a good amount back. So it was tough for me to see Lynn moving. The other part of Lynn is look at some of the, look at the starters that moved this deadline. Um, They were all big names, Sonny Gray, uh, new Darvish and, you know, Liriana was once a big name, but, but uh, Lynn doesn't really have that kind of name power. And I know that that doesn't matter a whole lot for the playing aspect because he's playing really well. But also with the business aspect, he's not going to pull a lot of na- or a lot of fans in because oh, we got Lance Lynn. He's pitching doesn't really sound all that great, um, which is a small. I mean, that's a smaller reasoning. But I didn't think he was going to be at all. So I am not surprised not to see him moved. I think the price tag had something to do with it. Uh, but it's it would have been hard to see him go just because it, it's he's been the most consistent pitcher on the Cardinals this year.
1: Okay, Josh, you heard Trevor. Was Lance Lynn's price tag too high this trade deadline?
2: More than likely, yeah. Um, I think that they were going into the day, and they weren't going to move him unless they really liked the price, which is not the worst way to take take action uh, with Lance Lynn, but that's only if you have a plan for him going forward. Personally, I would have been perfectly fine with trading Lance Lynn today for just Willie Calhoun straight up, but that's just me, and there's probably a lot of people that would disagree with that, but I don't know what their plan is for Lance Lynn. Mosaic said it today that they are not going to discuss an extension with him until the end of the season, so... Is he actually a part of this future? Because if he's not, then trade not trading him today is a blunder. You're not going to get, with the new CBA, you're not getting as good of a return on a guy for a qualifying offer if they even extend him the qualifying offer. Because you have the Luke Weavers, Jack Flaherty's, Trevor's boy, Dakota Hudson, <laughs> who's now in AAA, coming. There, there are options now, and Not moving Lance Lynn, I understand. And once he pitched on Sunday, I had a very good feeling he was not getting moved because I don't think that if they had the intention of moving him, he would have pitched on Sunday. Much like the Athletics pushed Sonny Gray from Sunday, the fact that Lynn pitched on Sunday made me think they're not really concerned with him having a bad outing and lowering his value or somehow getting hurt because they're not going to move him.
1: I want to get back to that, that point in just a little bit because we are going to ta- talk about what, whether he was actually on the table or not, but I do want to revisit something that you, you did mention about the plan for Lance Lynn, and this is something I debated with you know people across social media over the last couple of days too, and, and Trevor, you can chime in whenever you want to on this as well, but the plan for Lance Lynn is pretty much is pretty simple to me at this point. Yes, he didn't start, or he started, you know, this weekend. That was the first sign that he wasn't getting traded because, as you mentioned, Josh, he, he, you know, you don't risk players getting hurt. But regardless of that, there was a point this last week where not, or this last week where. I talked about Lance with Derek Gould and, uh, and, and some other people on social media, and I posed the question, what is the point of the Cardinals not offering him a, a qualifying offer? It makes no sense, to me at least. And Trevor, I, you might have a different opinion here. But them not... Extending a qualifying offer means that he's gone. You're letting him walk for free, essentially. There's no way you're going to resign him. You, you would have done it at that point. But him being on the team today tells me that the Cardinals are more than likely are going to resign him to some kind of contract extension. My guess is it's going to be between three to four years and somewhere around the 80 to $90 million mark. That's probably where we're going to end up. And if that's the case, and I I, I want to hold off on what a Cardinals plan for the future is a little later, because it was a question that we were asked
0: by a fan on Facebook,
1: but that's where I see this going. Trevor,
0: am I wrong? No, I really do think they're going to extend him in some way, or even extend out the qualifying offer. I know, um, I know that Mosella said that they they aren't going to or anything like that, but with that, it's hard for me to ever trust things that are said because uh, I'm going to use the example from earlier. The A's weren't going to trade Sonny Gray if they didn't like the deal and didn't get absolutely what they wanted. So obviously things can change. Um, The way he's pitching right now, to not extend them would be ridiculous. So I do think there's going to be some form of extension offered and some form of extension um, happening. So, it, I don't know, I especially since he didn't get moved, I feel, I feel like it's imminent.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's something that it just, again, it doesn't make sense for the Cardinals to keep him if they weren't going to extend him. And, that, and much to what Josh is saying is, if you're not going to offer him a qualifying offer either, why wouldn't you move him? Why wouldn't you at that point say, okay, well, here's that? Well, there's only one logical explanation, is that the Cardinals didn't like what they would have gotten in return, which is fair. But at that point, though, wouldn't you have initiated the calls a little sooner? Wouldn't you have gone out and, and tried to move him instead of waiting for a call to come to you? What do you think, Josh?
2: I'm of the belief that the Cardinals didn't really call anyone, honestly. Um, and I that they probably called a handful of teams about certain things, but not for their people. If the Cardinals were going to move somebody, someone was going to come to them and make an offer. The Cardinals weren't going to go hunting to get rid of somebody. They wanted to have someone come to them and say, this is what we'll give you because – you're going to get more that way than if you're out trolling for a deal. Uh, I don't know that they had any real hooks there. Uh, if you're watching MLB Network today, they they made some mention of thinking that the Astros were in on it. Buster Olney said that it was a wide belief around the league that Lance Lynn fit in really well with the Indians. But mm-hmm. nothing, nothing happened. Nothing ever Love came... So, but I want to just jump back to you guys talking about the qualifying offer. I am of the belief right now that the Cardinals will extend the qualifying offer to Lance Lynn. They will not sign him to an extended deal, but they'll hope that somehow he ends up signing that qualifying offer because in pro sports, there's really no such thing as a bad one-year deal. Yeah, I... I...
1: (laughs) I guess that's true because of the quality pitcher that Lance Lynn is. But at that point, what, what I'm trying – at that point, though, what I would argue is is wouldn't you want that pitcher for three to four years? I mean, he's only, what, 30, I think? He could get – he still has three to four years of, of baseball, good baseball in him. Whereas you know, you know, the argument for that would be, well, what about your young guys? Well, you're kind of blocking them. Well, as Derek Gould like to uh, point it out to me, is that you take the proven commodity over the future or the potential, right? So, Trevor, what what do you think of Josh's comments?
0: Um, I I think they make a lot of sense. Um, I think the qualifying offer is the right move. I know he might have a few years left of pitching, but you got to remember that. Um, Alex Reyes comes back next year. That's a huge, huge guy that people, you know, I mean, that that's a huge arm to come back. He's supposed to be next big thing. And I know he's still pretty much potential at this point. You don't know how he's going to come back from TJ, but that's something coming back. You got Luke Weaver. Um, you have Dakota Hudson, who's been pitching phenomenally through the minors. So I err on the side of young guys and I think you need that established arm, but I think that the one-year deal would be better because you can use that year to try out some of your future young guys and spot starts um, throughout the year. And uh, whether, you know, maybe those be the, uh, when you get that extra guy on, on those days, you call them up having spots started um, over a weekend, but you get to see what they look like in that one year. You get to see what you got there and, then they don't become just young potential because you know what you have. So I think the qualifying offer makes a lot of sense, especially with all the young, talented arms that are in the Cardinals
2: system right now. I just want to hop in here real quick before he keeps talking. This has nothing to do with Lance Lance Lynn (laughs) or anything. I just want to know how many more times you're going to mention that you tweeted with Derek Gould because I can assure you no one cares. I care. (laughs) I I totally care. (laughs) I care. Did you tweet him? No, but if I tweeted him as much as you, I'd probably get a response, fangirl. (laughs) Uh -uh.
1: I did not. I've only tweeted him twice, and he responded both times. Thank you. So
2: let's
1: let's ignore Josh here, and we're going to go ahead and go to break here. But when we get back, I'm going to ask one final question on Lance Lynn before we get on to what uh, John Mosellock said earlier today after the trade deadline passed. So stick with us. This is the official Redbird Rants podcast. We'll be back in a sec. Thanks for sticking with us. This is the official Redbird Rants podcast. My name is Tito Rivera. I am joined by Josh McDonald and Trevor Huth. Before we went to break, we started on Lance Lynn. Tommy Pham and, and Randall Gritchik and what was going on today with the trades. And just before the break, I mentioned that I was going to ask the question. And the question is for you guys, based on everything that we've talked about, based on everything that we know at this point and what everybody was dealt for, was Lance Lynn even on the table?
2: Josh? I think he absolutely was. I think he had to be just considering the market because before the Rangers decided, oh, well, we're just going to trade you Darvish, it was Sonny Gray and then a lot of nothing when it came to the starting pitching market. And Lance Lynn looked like a real, real solid potential add for a team, especially after his phenomenal July. He looked like a guy that could come in, slot into the two or three spot for a team and, be a real, real good uh, piece for them going forward and an exceptional piece for the playoffs. How seriously they were taking offers, I don't know, but he had to be on the table uh, at least just to be considered. They probably went into it saying we're not moving him unless we're blown away, but he was definitely on the table. Trevor, what do you think?
0: I think he was on the table a few days ago and in the days leading up um, to the big exciting holiday across baseball, that is the trade deadline. Uh, Because, again, pre-U Darvish, there wasn't a whole lot. So with all the rumors that were going around about Lance Lynn, he had to have been on the table, if not briefly. So as it got closer and as U Darvish got on the table and uh, Sonny Gray kind of got stalled out for a long time, he probably got pulled back, unless it was a huge offer. Um, but he definitely started on the table. He had to have. Yeah, and
1: I'm going to agree with both of you here. I think he definitely was on the table. But I, you know, as Josh and I have mentioned, you know, him starting over the weekend pretty much put the nail in the coffin for me that the Cardinals really weren't going to trade him, and that's a, a little frustrating. But at the same time. As Trevor said, he's been the most consistent Cardinal pitcher this year, surprisingly, after, you know, uh, undergoing Tommy John surgery last year. He's been that good. And, you know, in the month of July, I think he had an ERA under two, I believe. It was a 1.47 ERA. That's really good. And, And, you know, the Cardinals need that kind of pitching. You know, if they want to maintain pace in the Central Division, you know, they're still four and a half games back. Of the Chicago Cubs, and they enter Monday or Tuesday, playing the Milwaukee Brewers. So it's a it's a chance to really uh, do an, uh, another shakeup in the NL Central. And you know we all know, and Trevor, you can probably speak a little bit more to this, but the Brewers are not playing that well. They've started to regress a little bit. And I think I saw that they were five and a five and uh, five and eleven in their last sixteen games. So Trevor. You know, knowing that Lynn wasn't going to be moved, do the Cardinals still have a realistic shot here? Or, or what are we talking
0: about? Uh, I'm going to say no, that they don't have a realistic shot. I think they could have had they made. I think their plan is uh, is to, you know, just buy time until, until winter, as I said earlier. Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers actually – they made two moves, and they both they, they enhanced the team a lot. Uh, they got Anthony Swarzak, and they traded Ryan Cordell, uh, which is going to come back here in a second, and they got uh, Jeremy Jeffress trading another not even top 30 prospect. So they added a couple bullpen arms, and their huge problem was their bullpen. They would be in in games, and then they would have to use the same two or three guys, and then the guys would stall out. The arms are getting tired. So now they have a couple more solid arms in their rotation, and that Jeremy Jeffress is actually amazing because he went with LaCroix to Texas uh, last year and they got Lewis Brinson, who's their top prospect and Ryan Cordell, who they then flipped for Anthony Swarzak this year. So essentially they traded LaCroix to get their top prospect and Anthony Swarczak. Um So they, in the past couple of years combined, have had a really, you know, it was a really good trade deadline for them. So I expect them to start making another push here soon. Um, I think that a Cardinals shot, especially since they didn't do anything is, questionable at best Um, so you know again i like the move to not make to not do anything so you know it's just we'll see how it shakes out
1: all right Josh you heard Trevor what's the what's the realistic shot of the Cardinals at this point
2: for me the realistic shot for the division is kind of going out the window because what we saw from the Cubs in the first half is gone. They are hitting now. Their pitching is better. Things are a lot different than they were. I disagree with Trevor when it comes to the Brewers. I think their moves that they made were solid moves, but I don't think that their management really made the move saying, like, we believe in this team to keep going. Um, but I want to – I'm taking a shot here and I might get ridicule for it. I think the better shot for this team to make the playoffs is the wild card. I think that the Colorado Rockies have faded a bit and they did not make them any of the moves that I think people were expecting of them to try and add a piece. And If the Cardinals can play well, which has been said so many times, over and over, they can chip away at that and potentially have a 2011-type season where they sneak into the wild card, and then once you're in the playoffs, who knows what happens. A lot has to go their way, but that's what I'm sitting on right now. I think there's a better chance of them catching the Rockies than there is the Cubs.
1: So we've got two opposite sides of the spectrum here. Trevor saying probably not. Josh saying yes. And uh, I'll be the uh, definite tiebreaker here. And I actually am going to agree with Josh here. I think the Cardinals still have an outside chance of of making the playoffs. And I'll tell you why. From here on out, the Cardinals really only play um, – Two, three teams that really scare me, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but the Kansas City Royals, the Boston Red Sox, and the Chicago Cubs. Everybody else doesn't really scare me. I'm not afraid of the Brewers. I'm not afraid of the Pirates. I'm not afraid of the Reds. Obviously not afraid of uh, of San Diego or San Francisco. And for for the fact of the matter, I'm not afraid of Tampa Bay, I still think the Cardinals have a legitimate shot based on the rest of the schedule from here on out. And if they can take care of business against the Milwaukee Brewers and they can take care of business and play with the Cubs, because we see we've seen that they can handle the Cubs. They still have a legitimate shot at making the playoffs. I'm not saying that they're going to win the division because I still think the Cubs will do that. But I kind of have to agree with Josh and say that there is an outside shot or the wild card. I think you know, they're down, uh, what is it, seven games in the wild card right now. Um, and that's, you know, that's not too bad considering where it, you know, where it was not too long ago. So while the other teams are starting to kind of regress from their first half, the Cardinals have picked it up. You know, they've been steady even at 9-8 and eight over their last, you know, 16 uh, games or 17 games, excuse me, Um so it, it is definitely a possible shot. So Trevor, any reaction to what
0: Josh and I have said? Yeah, I think um, I, I the reason that I'm saying that they don't really have this shot, the NL is actually pretty good this year. Um, you look at I uh, first, all, you know what? I'm going to go back. I'm going to disagree with Josh real quick about the Brewers, um, not because I have to, <laughs> but because I'm noticing something. <laughs> <laughs> um they they the front office, David Stearns, the general manager, I think effectively said we have the team to do it. Um they didn't want to get rid of any of their really young pieces. And they have a lot of really young guys with great potential, um, and they have some veteran leadership. Uh so I think they have a good mix there that's that's gonna help them out 'cause their their young guys have been performing well and we've seen young guys able to do it, uh like the Cubs. So the Cardinals and the Cardinals, they have a little bit more experience. It's uh, They're starting to infect the young guys and get the, the uh, energy from that. I just don't see it happening this year. But Pat, the Cardinals are saying that, you know what, it might not be this year, but it could be next year. It could be two years from now because of their young guys.
1: And that's fair enough. I mean, I, and, I, and I'm glad you're bringing up the general manager of the Brewers because that's going to be our next topic as we switch over now to uh, former general manager, John Mosaylock, and his comments today, you know, given to the STL media after the trade deadline passing. Did you guys get a chance to to see what uh, Derek Golden and uh, Jesus Ortiz said today?
2: No, but I'm sure you'll tell us all about what Derek Gould said. No. You probably tweeted
1: oh, it at him. <laughs> I probably did it. You got to stay out of no. this. <laughs> no,
2: I, I saw, I, I'm i not a big fan of Ortiz most of the time, but I I respected what he had to say today. I I was definitely following him quite a bit. I think that most comments I cannot take too seriously. And that's saying a lot because I think that Mo has earned a amount of respect out of what he's done with the team in his time. But not that long ago, Mo was saying that we would have a very active July and we would see all these things happen and this team wasn't playing well, changes were going to be made. What changes have been made? There haven't been any. So he comes out and he says – uh, well, We just we felt like what was available wasn't as good as what we had internally. I'm not sure we're watching the same team. And then he said, I do feel like you'll see some trade activity in August. There were players who weren't moved who were very much talked about. That's just giving people a false sense of hope, honestly. I cannot get behind what he's saying right now because I have not seen the action to the words he said back earlier in the season. And Trevor, before
1: you get into it, I just want to kind of read something for the, for the listeners who may have not gotten a chance to hear what John Moselak had to say, and, and I'll read a couple portions of, of his comments. And, and one of them really stood out to me, and it, it goes like this, but we were just unable to find a partner that was willing to do that. Therefore, that was not a realistic opportunity. We talked a little bit about over the last week about perhaps looking at the bullpen as something we could add to. Look, clearly we could have picked up a reliever, but in our minds on the margin, or, but in our minds on the margins. We're better off trying to see what we have in somebody like Sam Tui Valala, so we know exactly what we have. Internally, we have these debates, but in the end, there was nothing compelling enough for us to do to make us change that course. Trevor, what's your reaction to that kind of a comment?
0: Well, I live by this and I have for a few years now. I don't care what is said by these types of people who make the decisions for trades. It's hard to take anything at face value. Um, you never know what they have planned, what they have to do just to save face, what they're going to say. Um, they could come back a week later and say something completely different. So, I think the actions speak a lot louder than what they're going to say, and what, what the actions are telling me is that they're going to put trust into the system, um, and they're going to try to make a move this winter that is going to help them out more to start the 2018 season. Um, personally, that's what I think is going to happen. I think that's a good move because um, I'm a huge fan of the Cardinals farm system right now. So as far as anything that Moselech said, and, and I read a few of the comments, it's hard for me to want to to do anything with that um, and, to, and to take it at face value. So um, I think it's just one of those things where you have to wait and see what the actions are going to tell you and the actions are telling me that there's going to be moves coming. Um, maybe it's through the, uh, you know, they get some solid minor leaguers after the trade deadline ends, the guys that you can still deal. Maybe they wait until winter starts and then they go out and they get – that big bat. They talk to the Marlins again to get yell at Jozuna or Stanton and, and see what happens from there.
1: So Josh, now that you've heard the comment that John was made and, and based on your, uh, your anger at the Cardinals, not doing anything, what kind of, what kind of reaction do you have to a comment like this? Because I, as I said earlier, there are a lot of Cardinal fans, you know, just as angry as you are. So, what what do you take away from a comment like
2: that? I think the most interesting point of what he said and what you just read was the stuff about Tui, because Tui's been with the team multiple times. We've had plenty of opportunities to see what Tui is going to do, and he's saying that we're gonna we want to see what, I mean, he, can see what well, he can do. Well, why why haven't we done that yet this year? Because he's been with the team, but our manager seems to think that having Tui on the roster means letting him sit for seven days, then pitching him, then having him sit down. I think that saying that we're going to see what we have, we know what we have. Maybe it's not been used right, but we know what's there. And this team that that he built, he can't get away from that, is not a playoff team unless some changes are made.
1: And that's a good point that you bring up because, as you say, Tui Valala has been on the team and, and has not been used in any kind of capacity besides mop-up duty. And it, it does bring me to question, you know, when he says, look, we, we could have picked up a reliever, well, why didn't you? <laughs> Why didn't you do at least that? You knew the team was suffering in the bullpen. You clearly don't trust Tui Valala to, to do anything else besides mop-up duty. So, again, this whole notion of, of, of John Mozeliak earlier this summer saying, we'll take four to six weeks to evaluate the team, and then, as you're saying, Josh, to go and say something, well, we're trying to see what Tui Valala exactly has, means that the evaluation wasn't necessarily a true statement. So maybe I'm playing a little into what Trevor is saying is that you can't really take Moselak's comments at face value for what they're worth. Maybe John Moselak is just saying that. And, and, to, and to kind of prove that point, he later goes on to say, we also didn't want to do something in the long term where we may regret just to say we made a deal. So that kind of just says that's kind of the mentality that uh, Trevor is kind of talking about is that, we're, you know, we could go out and do this and just be like, okay, we're done. We made our deal. But in the long-term scheme of things, you know, that's not really what he's trying to say. He he wants to make a deal that is both positive in the short term and in the long term. So it's hard. It is hard for anybody to take these comments at face value, but I don't think that's going to be enough. That doesn't detract from the frustration that Cardinal fans have right now of not having a good product on the field. And I think where people are upset, and and I want you guys to comment on this is that we've been in this era of success for the Cardinals for so long that it's an expectation. And, and now that we're faced with the reality that, hey, we're having a couple down years, it's like hell has broken loose. Trevor,
0: what do you think? Well, first of all, I want to jump in on that conversation about uh, about Tui. Yeah, sure. A lot of what you guys are saying is differentiating between general manager and the actual managing of the team. Um, it, it, sparks, it sparks me thinking of, of the movie Moneyball where – Billy Beans coming down to Art House saying this is how we want the team and Art House saying, well, this is how I'm going to run the team. So as far as Tui getting his opportunity and seeing what they have internally, it might not be uh, what Mosaic is seeing might not be what's actually being put out as the product on the field because if Tui pitches more and less in, in, uh, you know, not just mop-up roles every week, then he might have something greater and he might help out the bullpen. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, Moselech has built this amazing team is just not being run right. And they're going to have a huge run like the A's did in the movie, but, and in real life, but um, I'm very passive normally about the comments with Mike Massini, but if he's not, you know, maybe he could be running this team better in the bullpen and the late innings and stuff. But it's, it's hard for me to want to pin a comment. Like, let's see what we have internally. Um, and then you guys saying, well, we're not using our internal sources correctly, or, or not necessarily you guys, with people saying that because it could just be how the teams being run at the manager level. And that's
1: that's definitely fair. And I, I do want to, yeah, that is a great point. And I do want to say this: you 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 say differentiate between managing the team, but at the end of the day, Nathani answers to Muzalic, right? I mean, he's he does, to, but at the end know. of the day,
0: to quote to quote Moneyball, the lineup card is his. The lineup, the lineup yeah. card, and the in-game decisions, day to day, go to Matheny.
1: And that's and that's fair. But I think where Josh and I are coming from is is that if Moseleylock says we have a person in Tui that we want to see what he has, why isn't the manager putting that person out there? Is it because The manager doesn't believe he has anything because if that's the case, I get it. But at the same time, if they are supposed to be working with each other to make the team better, then you have to, you have to give a little, right? I mean, I mean, I think that that's fair to say.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I understand where you're coming from completely. And, and uh, you know, maybe this is just saving face for what I said earlier, but, the the comment was made today, so maybe going forward now, Mosaic's putting his foot down more saying I want to see Tui in a in a you know, in a bigger situation. You know, so things can happen, but I, I do definitely agree with you that they do have to talk and see the answers to uh, Mosaic. but I just thought, you know, listening to you guys talk about that, it just it you know, the differentiation sure. between how it's run and how it's put together because one is focused on day to day right now and the other's, well, how are we gonna do this in the future?
1: Yeah, and, that, and that's fair. And, and, and speaking of the future, I, I do want to go to one comment that the Cardinals owner made, Bill DeWitt Jr. made. And he said, he was asked, what does he think of the team? And he says, I think we have a lot of talent and I think if we play well, we have an opportunity to do some damage in the division. But the reality is, is we are three and a half games out, four and a half now. So he, is also of the mindset that the Cardinals still have an opportunity to do this. So Trevor, I, I just want to go back to you because you're the only one that said no. Are you sure? Well, I just want to ask one more time. Are you positive the Cardinals
0: can't do this? I'm not positive that they can't. It's it's definitely possible. I mean, this is baseball we're talking about. Right. Um, the, the Brewers are coming in with a less than superstar studded lineup and leading the division for half the year. So it's definitely possible. Um, I just am looking at where they are in the division, how the Cubs are playing. Um, I'm, you know, projecting what these two relievers are going to do for the Brewers. Both of the teams ahead of the Cardinals, and and it's going to be a tough road to get that division. And you know, they're they're they seem to have chipped away a little bit in the wild card. But you you take the two teams that they would have to beat in the division, and the rest of the league that they're going to have to to take on in the wild card, and it just seems like the odds are stacked against the Cardinals um, from where it sits right now, especially because, as you guys said earlier, the starters can throw a great game. They come out and it becomes questionable when you put the bullpen in.
1: All right. Fair enough. So guys, we're going to take our last break before the rest of the show's over. And when we come back, We got some questions from from some fans earlier today, and uh, we need to get to them. Um, So if you guys are listening, you are listening to the official Redbird Rants podcast. Don't go anywhere. We'll get to your questions here in a sec. Just stick with us. Okay, welcome back to the Redbird Rants podcast. My name is Tito Rivera. I'm joined by Josh McDonald and Trevor Huth. We've had a great show so far. We've talked trade deadline. We've talked about the St. Louis Cardinals and their failure or maybe their, the expectation of not really doing anything at the trade deadline. And we've also talked about some of the comments that uh, John Mozeliak has said, you know, as the trade deadline passed today. So for the last segment, you know, for the next 20 minutes, we're going to field some questions that the fans have asked us to kind of go over and and I just want to go over this one really quick because we just got done talking about John Moselyak, and this and this question is a pretty valid one. I think it's a it's one that it's not being talked about a lot. And I'll start with you, Josh. If Mo isn't the
2: general manager, where's my Gersh? I have next to no idea. <laughs> I this it. It's mind-boggling. I told you it was a good I, one. It, you know, Mike Gersh is probably the one of the only GMs who never gets talked to. I think, as far as I can remember, they introduced him. It was a big deal for like that next couple of days. I think he got interviewed one more time before a game, and then you, you might see him hanging out with Mo and in their little box during a game, but that's it. Moe's still the face. Moe's still answering the questions. I don't know how you call Gersh the GM. It's just kind of like he's a face that you don't ever see, but Moe's still doing everything else. It's, it, it's a confounding thing because you don't have any real explanation for it. I can't think of another outside of the Cubs where Theo and uh, – is it Hoyer? Or, yeah. yeah, Theo and Hoyer. I mean, those are two huge names. But I feel like you see more of Theo and Hoyer than you have uh, together than you have of Gersh being involved with Mo.
1: Yeah, it, 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 it's it, like I said, it was a really good question. And when I first saw it, I, you know, I kind of looked at it and I said, "Huh, you're right. Where is Mike Gersh?" So Trevor. Before I comment on anything else on it, I want to hear your response to this question you know where is he? Where is my Gersh
0: probably golfing I mean it <laughs> <he> really doesn't <laughs> seem to be needed and uh if he's i don't know what exactly his job description is um I think was the direct question was if there is no mosaic where is Gersh, right
1: no it's it's if if Mo if Mosaic isn't the GM anymore, you know, he's, he's the, oh, you know,
0: he's the, yeah, yeah. uh, okay. Yeah. I was going to say, cause if that's the, if that was the question, then obviously there's needs to be a new fancy policy. I, I don't know. know. He, he's fishing, enjoying life. Um, he's probably got a, a killer membership at a country club and just kind of sitting back and letting Mosaic sink or swim on his own. I'm sure at some point they might call him and say, Hey, what do you think? But I don't know how much, how much, uh, weight his opinion carries because he's, like you guys are saying, he's almost invisible.
1: Yeah. It's so strange to me because, as Josh said, you know, brought on huge deal. Maybe maybe it was more of a party for for Mosealog than anything else. Uh, But, you know, a comment at the time that Mosealog got promoted, you know, one comment that was made was that more teams are going to this model, you know, where they have the president, you know, baseball operations and then, you know, your general manager. And it seems to me that Mike Gersh is still learning. Um, I think he's still in, in the under the wings of Mosealock still. Um, and so the reason why we don't really hear anything of Mike Gersh is probably because um, everybody's still comfortable with Mo. And everybody knows that Mo is probably the one that – you know, swings the final hammer. And so if you're going to get a deal done, you're probably going to have to go through Mo. And and that's not to say that, you know, Mike Gersh isn't capable of making a decision. But as I said earlier, this is a really good question of, of why would you even have a GM if Mo is still kind of the GM? And so I do want to ask this. And I'll start with uh, Trevor here on this one. If Mo, if Mo is going to continue this kind of pattern of you know him still being the face, at what point do you feel comfortable with Gersh
0: being able to make any decisions? Well, he got hired for a reason. I mean, it's not like they just picked a guy up and said, hey, we need to fill a position. Um, You're not really going to do much, uh, and we don't really need you to be that smart. So I would, if he needed to make a decision, I'm okay with him making a decision now, because obviously you're going to hire a qualified guy. Um, But like you said, Bo is the face of of whatever deal you might want to make. He's the face for everything, so things are just going through him, whether he's he's just training Gersh or you know giving him pointers, letting him watch, I don't know, but um, I would feel comfortable immediately if he had to make a decision just because, especially for a general manager spot, you're not going to hire somebody who you don't think meets the qualifications.
1: Josh, what about you? What do you think?
2: Yeah, the, the guy's not going to have the job unless Mo thinks he can do it, and the team isn't one that's gonna go out and make outlandish hires. They 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 keep it to their guys, which could be to a fault. I mean you look at the, the hires that they make, it's it's all guys that they trust to go the cardinal way, uh, in a sense. Randy Flores is in is in charge of the of scouting now. Mike Matheny got the manager's job. They they like to keep it in house. They don't like to go outside so clearly they like something in him he's getting trained by a guy who I've trusted to this point so I can't say that I, I don't trust him but I have no idea what his real ability is or skill at, that is because I'm pretty sure most still doing everything <laughs>
1: yeah I, I I agree and again great question so thank you for that question that was That was definitely one that will make you think. So, uh, Josh, you you bring up manager, Mike Matheny. And my dad actually had a question on this one. And he he, it was not necessarily more of a question, but he wanted us to comment on the bitter fans. And I cannot wait to hear you guys' response to this because I I definitely have my own. Uh, So, Josh, I'll start with you. I know you saw the comments today. Where are you? Are you a bitter fan?
2: Um, you know, I guess according to Mike Matheny, I am, and I, <laughs> I think that Cardinal Nation as a whole has been spoiled with the success. I think that's a common knowledge thing that it's hard for it is hard for people to admit because we've been blessed with some very very good teams and. Haven't seen any real struggles for quite some time, but Mike Matheny is already down to very few friends when it comes to Cardinal Nation, and for him to come out and say things like that, he is digging himself a grave, and I don't think that if he were to go look back, he would he would say those comments again because he did nothing but hurt himself when it came to the to the fans with those comments.
1: Yeah, I was uh, – honestly, I was really shocked. But before I say anything else on that, Trevor, are you a bitter fan?
0: I am not a bitter fan. Um, to those who are, I would say aim your bitterness somewhere. You can't be the whole the whole uh, organization because we have had the success. There's some formula there at work. Um, they've always – as far as the trade deadline goes, the Cardinals have always been a cautious organization when it comes to making moves. So, it shouldn't come as a surprise that no huge, massive moves were made. Something is calculated. I have no doubt about that. I trust Moselech as far as knowing what he wants and and having a plan. Um, if you want to aim bitterness, a lot of it goes towards Matheny. Probably, you know, um, good because I normally passive let him do his job. But uh, I lost a lot of respect for him about his recent comments, especially when you're you know, when you're calling your uh, even if it was a, a uh misunderstood you're calling your, your star catcher for years tired. And he comes out and says something, something's clearly wrong there. So you lose a lot of respect from seeing you there, but for the organization as a whole, it's a good farm system. It's been a formula that's worked just because they're down right now. doesn't mean they won't bounce back for another decade of success. Um, And, and I, I think that there's some plan at work that's going to attack that.
1: Yeah. I, you know, both of you make great points in this bitterness, I guess. And and I'll say this, I find it extremely ironic that he would call us bitter fans or Cardinal Nation bitter fans, and then the the team doesn't go out and do anything. (laughs) I mean, is that not ironic to you guys? I mean, you, you have your manager essentially saying, well, they don't know how good they've got it, and then all of a sudden the team just, you know, lays a goose egg on trade deadline day. And it's pretty much kind of a big slap to the face and saying, hey, you're stuck with what we have. Either you like it or you don't. And if you don't, jump ship. And I think, you know, Matheny is trying to play to the loyalists of Cardinal Nation and the Optimist of Cardinal Nation saying, you know, this is the team. You should believe in our team no matter what, no matter who. or or whatever happens, you should think that we have a chance. And I'll I'll be honest, that's, that's who I am. I always think the Cardinals have a chance every single year. But it is extremely difficult to believe in that when you know management can do something about it. And I think, again, that's where a lot of Cardinal fans are, is that they see that the Cardinals are a good team, or can be a good team, they just need a little extra oomph. And the fact that management and upper management don't want to do anything about it, uh, and I shouldn't say don't want to do anything, they haven't done anything about it, is a really frustrating thing. Josh, am I
2: wrong? No, not at all. Um, I think that you're spot on. There's not a whole lot more you can even say about the whole situation because, sure, we might be bitter in his eyes. There's there's a there is a reason why Car- the Cardinal fans are one of the more more hated fan groups in the league because we've been so spoiled and people think that that makes us think we're better than others and a, an issue of being a bad team right now is going to be exacerbated because of how intense this fan, these fans are. And I think that where we're at right now is, and especially after today, it's hard for, it's hard for him to stand on on his comments after this team didn't, didn't do anything to make any improvements. We might be bitter, but at least we care.
1: Right, and, and I and I definitely agree with that. The intensity of Cardinal Nation is, is not for the faint of heart. Um, and and I want to go on to the next question, unless, Trevor, do you have anything else to add to that?
0: I'm mostly just surprised you two agreed on something.
1: <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time. But uh, let's move on to the third question that we got from one of our followers, and that is a, it's a pretty odd question, but a question nonetheless that I think you guys will both enjoy answering and and given the recent you know seasons, I think this question has some merit, but not a lot but is the Cardinals ownership the worst outside of Miami? Josh?
2: absolutely not. Uh, absolutely not. No. 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 I know things look poor right now, and I and I keep seeing Bill DeWitt has been given the nickname the Cheap. Um, I mean, that's there's a line that you that you try to avoid to cross, and I think a lot of fans have crossed it, and that's just into pure insanity when it comes to their expectations. Bill DeWitt is a great, great owner. He's shown it time and time again. He's not going to have this team struggle because he's trying to pinch pennies.
0: Trevor, Trevor.
1: what do you think?
0: Can we really be that, Uh, bad? No, absolutely not. You can't take a couple down years where the Cardinals aren't at the top of the division and say, oh, it's the manager or it's, it's the ownership. They're awful. It's, that's just not how it works. I mean, every team has down years. Every team has down streaks in a season. It's a phrase I'm going to use a lot. This—it's baseball. Baseball is a game of streaks. So, to to just kind of say that, oh, are they the worst outside? No, they're absolutely not. I mean, look, just look at the farm system they have and and what the ownership has been able to do there. So it's—I uh, don't know. I think that's a pretty easy, easy no there.
1: Yeah, and and I'm not I'm not gonna go any any more into detail. You guys have both nailed it on the head, and I and I want to
2: end with. Oh, go ahead. I just want to say I'm offended for Bill DeWitt to be even mentioned <laughs> in the same breath as that garbage human being Jeffrey Loria.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, I
1: mean that that's pretty that's pretty extreme. I would agree with that. Now. We have about three minutes left here in the show, and I'm going to give you guys a minute apiece, and I want you to do the best that you can to answer this last question. And I'll start with Trevor. What is the Cardinals' plan from here on out?
0: Okay, well, you're going to you have to flag me down in a minute, but I think the plan starts with um, evaluating the rest of this year and making a move over winter. Um, the future of Lance Lynn is a huge part because – there's a lot of really good pitching prospects that they're going to want to see that they're going to want to try out and that they're planning to be in the rotation in the future, whether they give some of that up or not to get uh, something else that they need. Um, you also look at where, you know, the future catcher, Carson Kelly's playing well. Uh, there's the log jam in the outfield between Bader and Sierra uh, and O'Neill. That looks like a great future outfield. Um, they need to find a little bit more on the infield. I know there's Delvin Perez there. Luke voight has been playing well, but, uh, as far as being a young guy, boy, it's uh, what, 26, 28, something like that. So um, a lot of the future we're seeing right now in the season. Uh, we've gotten a look at a lot of what their future is, and I think that they are going to make some moves this winter to pull in some MLB-ready guys. It's just a matter of what they want, but something will absolutely happen, and that's that's certainly the future uh, for the organization.
1: All right, Josh, you got a little bit
2: of over a minute? I'm giving you the floor. That's okay. I don't... I only need a 30 seconds. I'm going to keep mine okay. short, sweet, and specific. Okay. Marcelo Zuna this offseason, two more bullpen pieces, Manny Machado next offseason. Sign me up. All right.
1: And that's as, that's as clear-cut as it gets, Trevor. What do you think?
2: I like the plan.
1: <laughs> I think it actually
0: absolutely works out. That makes a great Cardinal team. Just keep Dakota Hudson and McNair Sierra, and I'm good.
1: Okay, so there you guys have it. That's going to be the end of our show tonight. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to catch all of our articles on RedbirdRants.com. My name is Tito Rivera for Josh and Trevor. Please have a great night, and, yes, go Cardinals.